Welcome to the Church of Philadelphia podcast. Get ready for this message to ignite your faith as the power and love of God is shared through his word. Amen. Amen. And as we're pressing through, pushing through, running through our current sermon series, we're still talking about encounter, but we're at that junction where we're talking about the faces of worship, describing the different postures or, 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 or the various ways that worship actually looks like. Amen. Now, first, somebody say, you are that face. You know, whether we talk about the face of pray, uh, prayer or the face of praise or the face of worship, you are one of those faces. Uh, worship looks like you. Praise looks like you. And prayer looks like you. Amen. And so, listen, y'all know what me, you get to be some gymnast regardless of your age, your weight, or your flexibility. Come on, if you could please stand for the reading of God's holy word. We're going to flip over to the book of Exodus, chapter number 34. Exodus, chapter number 34, and we're going to land a perfect 10 on verse number one when you have it say amen so exodus 34 starting at verse number one amen and here begins the reading of god so the word it says and the lord said unto moses hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first and i will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest and be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto mount sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the living God and the text that we're going to be working with today. I'm going to be trying to work through verses one through number 10. Right. But the title of the text today, we're talking about make haste to worship, make haste to worship, make haste to worship is the title of the text. Amen. So for contextual purposes, we're going to flip back over to Exodus number uh, 33, right? And we're going to start at verse number 13, right? And this is just for reading so we can understand what is actually taking place in ver or chapter number 34, right? So so listen, y'all know last week when we had our Fresh Fire Sunday, I had those hot boys with me, Minister Marco, Minister Brandon, right? And we talked about going into the presence of God, right? And Minister Brandon finished us off ending at roundabout verse number 12 where, you know, uh, um, God spoke to Moses, you know, like a friend face to face. Right. So when we fall down into verse number 13, it talks about now. Therefore, I pray that if I have found grace in thy sight. Right. Show me now that way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight and consider that thy, this nation is thy people. So this is Moses having dialogue, having conversation with God. Right. And we understand even when we talk about prayer, we say prayer is not monologue, but we understand that prayer is actually dialogue. It's us having an opportunity to talk to God, but also giving God an opportunity to talk back to us, right? So in 14, he says, and he said, my presence, now this is God responding, he said, and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Now, look at what God is saying. He said, basically said, Moses, I'll go with you, and I'll give you rest. And you got to remember, because of the stiff-necked behavior of the people, right? Uh, uh, if you want to throw that definition of being stick neck up, right? stiff neck, right? It talks about them being a stubborn or a cruel people right uh, just stubborn to follow the ways of the Lord right and, and even how uh, minister Brendan pointed out how they put on these ornaments and things of that nature right there right and when you think about putting on these ornaments right think about it, that's how some of us are we put on ornaments right and it starts in the mindset of the individual we put on all these different ideologies right and it has us moving in a different direction from God it has us behaving in a different manner or different nature in, in the manner which God desired for us to behave towards him and with him right so God responds to Moses and tell him, I'll go with you and I'll give you rest, right? But I appreciate Moses. Down in 15, he says, and he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. 
Listen, if you don't go, listen, don't carry us as a people, right? Don't carry us as a people. Then he says, for when, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Now Moses is including the people. Come on, God, you can't do this, you know, with just me. You know, no, I, I want you to understand, God, it's about me and your people. It's about us, your people, right? He said, uh, that I have, uh, and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not? In that thou goest with us, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And what he's saying, God, if you don't go with us, right, we cannot be this people that you separated from all the other nations or all the other people on the face of the earth. So denoting that when you go with us, God, you're going to cause us to be separated. Separated is a word that is pointing to holiness or being set apart or consecrated for a specific task that God has called and chosen you for, right? Be ye holy, for I am holy. So Moses is bringing this word back before God. So listen, look, pay attention to what Moses is doing. While he has an audience with God, while he's in the presence of God, he's bringing his request before God. And God is actually hearing the things that he's saying, and God is having dialogue with him. And one of the key things that Moses says, is, God, you have to go with us in order for us to be separated from all the other people of the earth. And he says, and the Lord said unto Moses, uh, I would do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. So the Lord tells Moses, okay, you want me to go with y'all? I'm going to do this. For you found grace in my sight, and I know you by name, right? And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory, right? <laughs> like, like, like before Moses slides out of the presence of God, he, he drops this right here. Beseech means in the Hebrew, it's talking about prayer. Moses entreated the Lord. He prayed. He asked God, show me your glory, God, right? Show me your glory. And when you talk about he's in the presence of God, I want you not to overlook this. He's in the presence of God, right? And when you get into the presence of God, notice when you come into the presence of God, you have actually entered into the glory of God. To come into the presence of God is indeed to actually come into the glory of God. So he's saying, but show me your glory. A manifest, I need to see a literal manifestation of your presence, God. Right? So now, when you, when, you, when you understand this, what he's saying is, God, I need you to show me the weight of who you are. Reveal to me the weight of who you are, your nature and your character, right? And when we talk about weight, we're talking about show me the value or show me the worth of who you are as being God. Now, we cannot forget he's asking God to show him his glory. In other words, reveal yourself to me, reveal your nature to me, show me who you are, God. Now think about this, in Exodus chapter number 3, round about verse number 14, this is the first time God reveals himself by name to Moses, right? He first had that encounter with God through the burning bush, but God reveals himself by name to Moses in, in chapter number 3, verse 14. And he says, you know, when you go tell this people, because Moses asked the question, well, who shall I tell these people this is, is ascending me? He says, I am that I am. You tell them I am have sent them to the people right so he describes himself as being the God I am 
that I am, denoting that he's Jehovah, the self-existing God. You know, he was he's a God that has not been fashioned or made by the hands of man. I exist all by myself. You know, before there was anything, it was just God. It was just I am. You understand every other thing that is now in existence is because of I am that I am. Right. So now Moses is saying, show me your glory, reveal to me who you are even the more right and then he falls down in 19 and he said and he said i will make all my goodness pass before thee and i will proclaim the name of the lord before thee and i will be gracious to whom i will be gracious and will show mercy on whom i will show mercy so he tells moses this well i'm gonna I'm make all my goodness pass before you denoting that i'm gonna reveal myself i'm gonna let you see a literal manifestation of who i am right and he says, and I'm going to proclaim my name to you. I'm going to proclaim my name to you. Talk about self-proclaim. Right? Right, you understand what I'm saying? Like, like, listen, there was nobody else to swear by. So remember the scripture said he swore by himself, right? So you talk about self-proclaim. Listen, he's the embodiment of that. He's proclaiming who he is about himself, right? So he says, I'm going to proclaim my name before thee, right? He says, and I'm going to show grace to whom I'm going to show grace, and I'm going to show mercy to whom I'm going to show mercy. And then he says, and he said, thou canst not see my face, for, no, for, for there shall no man see me and live. So he said, listen, you can't see my face and live, because if any man see my face, they're going to die. I, I, but I like it when David says, seek the face of the floor, right? Because David is trying to get some of y'all killed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can appreciate that. Because see, when you need help dying to your flesh, go seek his face. You'll die. Oh, yeah, you, you'll die. He says, and the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon the rock. There is a place by me and thou shalt stand upon the rock. He says, and it shall come to pass while my glory, again, my glory passeth by that I will put thee in the cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And 23 says, and I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Right. So now we have an understanding of what was taking place. Right. So when we come over to chapter number 34, chapter 34 becomes a manifestation of the prayers that Moses, this dialogue and this 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 conversation that Moses is having with God. Chapter 34 become, begins to manifest, you know, the prayers of what Moses was asking God to do in chapter number 33. Right. So now, as we start off, we're saying make haste to worship. Again, the title of the text is make haste to worship, right? So as we fall down into verse number one, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest, right? And now, now, if there's anything significant here, right, do you know somebody, can you relate what God already gave you a word, right? And because of your carelessness, right, uh, or, or, or your inability to regard the word of God, to take that word and to hide it in your heart you know i'm talking about to hide it in your heart means to treasure it to treasure that word meaning that word has value to you some of us we did not understand the value of god's word and we mishandled god's word therefore causing ourselves to break the word that God spoke to us, right? In other words, you know, there was something God told you to do. You said, yes, I'll do this. Yes, I'll yield. Yes, I'll obey. But you broke it. You broke the word of God, right? Do you know somebody can? I've been there where I broke. In other words, I, I gave a vow to God pertaining to his word, and I broke that thing. I, I, I broke my word. I broke the word of God by not carrying out or fulfilling what God called me to do directed me to do instructed me to do right he says 
I like this in verse number two. He says, and be ready in the morning. This for all the folk who got a problem with getting up early in the morning to pray. Hmm. Uh, we see biblical principles showing us in the scripture and be what ready in the morning uh, this word ready in the hebrew is talking about to be prepared be prepared when in the morning and how many times when morning time has come you were unprepared right uh, and this is that time where we're supposed to seek god while he may be found and call upon him while he's near right but but in that time that god has set apart for you to actually find him you are unprepared because you still got crust in your eyes or or you stayed up late right you went to sleep in the morning still having to get up early in the morning if you like me I go to sleep in the morning still having to get up in the morning but guess what I come prepared because I understand this is an opportunity that God has given me to allow me to seek him and, and, and to find him and to call upon him while he's near I don't take it for granted because I understand there are some people who are still seeking or searching for truth and have not found truth in the sense of God. Mm. But I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful that God has allowed me to actually find him, to know who he is. I'm so glad that I had an encounter with God. God has revealed himself to me and I'm grateful. I do not take it for granted that God gives me an opportunity to encounter him in the morning. So tell somebody, you be, you be ready now. You got to be prepared in the morning. He says, okay, and be ready in the morning. And then he says, and come up in the morning, right? And see, that's for all of you who want, want God to come to you all the time. No, there's sometimes you got to come to him. And, and, and listen how he's saying to come to him. You got to come up. Too many times we want to abide in this low place. Why is it God, whenever time, all the time God got to come, God always got to come to these low places to deliver you, to save you, to, 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 to bring you up out of these low places. Will you, as a believer, will you ever dwell in a high place? Will you ever remain standing upon the rock? Or do, you, do you just like falling down? Do you like just, just being in these low places, right? He's telling Moses, no, you got to come up. And when, he, when is he telling Moses to come up? He's telling him to come up in the morning. Come up in the morning. Come up means to ascend or to climb upward. Yeah, you got to put some work in, Moses. Huh. You got to come on up. And for most of you, that's your prophetic word right there. Come on up. And he's telling you to come up when? In the morning. In the morning. And he says, come up in the morning unto the Mount Sinai. And then he tells them what? And present thyself, right? Now, this word present thyself meaning, okay, to show oneself, right? To present oneself means to show yourself, right? To make yourself be known. To make yourself, uh, or the person that you're presenting yourself to, to make them aware that you are there, right? But, but this word present in the Hebrew also talks about to be determined <laughs> now when 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 god gives you an opportunity to seek him or to find him he says be ready in the morning because that opportunity is in the morning time he said okay when i give you this opportunity to seek me or to find me in the morning time you got to be determined when god gives you this opportunity because uh, there are a lot of times you're not determined in other words your mind is not made up that you're gonna go with the real seek a true seeker you're gonna chase after god for real no you're just praying 
thing just to, just to cover your bases, right? Just to, just to make sure you can check off a box and make sure you said, okay, well, I'm obligated to do this. Let me just, hey, I did that. But you did it with no sincerity of heart. You did it with no passion. You did it with no zeal. You, 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 you did it in a matter of five minutes. And I'm talking about what did you really get out of five minutes? Now, I do understand there are some of us who are so sensitive to the presence of God, to the spirit of God, that it doesn't take much. All it takes is a waving of your hand or all it takes is a hallelujah. And boom, the presence of God manifests itself just like that. But there are some of us, it takes you some time. <laughs> Because just like God with Moses and these people, God is trying to figure out, uh, he's trying to make up his mind whether or not he's going to come and dwell in the midst of you, whether or not he's going to encounter you. You got to understand, it's all right to say that we see it in scripture, we see it in Bible, God was trying to make up his mind whether or not he was going to go with these people. And that's for most of us, that's some of us, God is trying to make up his mind whether or not he wants to deal with you. Oh, because of the ornaments that you placed on, the mindsets that you've had, the things that you hold in your heart, the things that you regard in your heart, the things that you participated in last night, last week, early this morning, right? Uh, he's trying to make up his mind whether or not he's going to deal with you coming to the midst of you. He says, and present thyself there to me in the top of the mountain. He says, and no man shall come up with thee Neither let any man be seen throughout all the mountain. Neither let the flocks nor herds feed before the mountain. You got to come up here by yourself, Moses. <laughs> I don't know about you. Sometimes, you know, I, I, I would rather have somebody with me. You, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I like it. For instance, you know, to do things, I, I, I prefer somebody to do it with me. It, it, it seems like the test becomes easier when you have someone doing it with you, right? Uh, it, it, if the task is tedious and laborious, right, it, it, can, it, can, it can just pull your thought process or it can pull your attention away so very, very easily. But if you have somebody there doing it with you, uh, this other person can help you stay on task or help you remain focused, right? Uh, but God is saying, uh-uh, nobody's coming with you. You got to come by yourself. This is just an encounter. This is just a meeting between me and you, Moses. Uh, and, and he said, listen, the, I don't even want nobody to be seen. I don't even want the people to be seen throughout the mountain. Listen, they, 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 they should not even come near the mountain. Then he also said, don't let your flocks or your herds feed in front of the mountain. No. So he's giving Moses a standard. There was a standard in how you're going to come to me. There was a way in which you're going to come to me as God. <laughs> and, and, and we sprinkled a little bit on that last. We tell you, listen, as a church, we've done the church a disservice because we tell folk, come as you are. And like we try to tell you, listen, God is not necessarily concerned about your clothes. God is concerned about your uh, soul, right? But make no mistake about it. You can't just approach God any kind of way. He's still a holy God. And he's telling you, you have got to be mindful of how you approach him. He's a holy God. You can't just approach him any kind of way, right? Because what he was telling Moses, listen, if any man come up and I can see him round about this mount, or if any of your flocks or your herds come up, listen, they're running the risk of being smitten by the Lord. Smitten, denoting God is going to reach out and he's going to kill him. <laughs> Simply put, right? Listen, Mo, the scripture then tells us in verse number four. He says, and he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up, right? It says, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up into the Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. 
So he's cut out these two tables of stone, going to try to replace what God had given. And see, this is the thing. God is about to, you know, speak a word, right? And this is the thing. It, it's, it's not necessarily going to be a, a new word, even though it's the same word being written upon new tables of stone, but it's the same word. And see, that's for somebody. Listen, you got to go back to that word that God has already given you. You might be writing a fresh new word in your church in Philadelphia notebook, but understand, it's the same word God has already given you. Same word. Same word. So he takes these two tables of stone and he goes up the mount, right? And in verse 5 says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now we're getting into the manifestation of the prayer. Remember Moses says, show me thy glory, right? He asked God to show him his glory and God began to tell him how he was going to you know, that all his goodness passed before him, how he would uh, have mercy on whom he would have mercy. He would be gracious to whom he wanted to be gracious to, right? And he said how he would proclaim his name before thee. Now we're getting into the manifestation of what God began to say. So it says, and the Lord descended in the cloud. Moses was accustomed to this cloud because over in chapter number 33, remember, when Moses was going to enter into the tabernacle, remember the cloud descended at the tabernacle door. Moses is accustomed to this. Uh, it descended as a pillar at the tabernacle door. So Moses is accustomed with the cloud. This cloud denoting the Shekinah or the Shekinah, this manifested, this literal manifested presence of this smoky presence or substance, right? This cloud that the Bible is describing. It says, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, right? Now, this word stood in the Hebrews talking about, now, when God came and stood, as he descended in the cloud, it's in God presented himself. He was presenting himself now to Moses. But it also means when he stood, he was standing with Moses, to stand with Moses. And when you stand with someone, that means you can also be in agreement with them. So notice God is standing with Moses. He's answered these prayers and told Moses, okay, the things that you, I'm going to do. Him standing with Moses is a sign that he's now in agreement with Moses. Hmm. So he says, what? listen, and the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, this is where it starts getting interesting. As we fall down into verse number six, it says, and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. Remember, self-proclaim. God is speaking what he's getting ready to speak about himself. Self-proclaim. And the Lord passed by, right? The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God. The Lord, the Lord God. The Lord, the Lord, meaning Jehovah, Jehovah God, El. El is the plural form of God, right? The Lord, Jehovah, Jehovah, God. Or Yahweh, Yahweh, God. Meaning the self-existing God, the God that exists without 
being fashioned by the hands of man. You didn't think me up. You didn't imagine me. You didn't build me. You didn't carve me. You didn't chip away at some stone and shape and mold me and fashion me to be who I am. No, I am the self-existing God. I exist all by myself without you. The self-existing God. Then he says, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful. Now, what's happening? God is revealing himself, but he's also revealing his nature at the same time. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. So he's full of mercy. Right. And when you talk about him being gracious, right, it talks about his kindness or his faithfulness or his goodness. So God is revealing himself, but he's also revealing his nature at the same time. Then he says long suffering. When he talks about long suffering, it's denoting that God is slow to anger, slow to bring about his wrath. And it says, and abundant in goodness and truth. Abundant in goodness, talking about the goodness of God. Just the sheer goodness of God. Remember how the psalmist says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So he's talking about how God is abundant in goodness and truth. The very nature of who God is, is good, but it's also truth. So God's nature, as he reveals himself, he's saying he's abundant in goodness and truth. His nature, he's good. So y'all know what we say in the church. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Hinting at. Abundant in goodness. And then truth. Now, when you think about truth, it's speaking to, again, the nature of God. His true essence, his true nature. Anytime something is true or the truth of a thing, that's, that's, that, that's the reality of that thing. Nothing has been changed Nothing has been manipulated. <laughs> uh, anytime you find something, the nature of something has been changed or it has been manipulated, then you're going to have perversion or something that has become perverted. Anything that is perverse or perverted simply means the truth or the true nature of that thing has now been twisted. It's not the true nature of what it's supposed to be. So because there is no perversity or no perversion in God, he can only be true. You don't have to worry about the words of God being perverse. You don't have to worry about the words of God being twisted. You don't have to worry about the purpose or the will of God being perverse or twisted. It is going to always be truth. He then tells us in verse number seven, he says, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, right? Forgiving iniquity 
and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty. So he's saying he, he has the ability to keep mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity. Now, when you think about what is iniquity, iniquity in the Hebrew is talking about, it, it means to pervert. Now, when you pervert something, as we said earlier, it is denoting that you change the nature of something. And, 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 and when you think about what, what the revelator tells us in Revelation chapter number four, around about verse 11, it's for his pleasure we were created. We were created to praise and to worship. So our nature, before our nature experienced this sin, way back into the Garden of Eden, the nature was to do what? To bring glory and honor to God, to praise and worship God, right? And we say the highest form of, 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 of worship is obedience. Obedience is the highest form of worship. Now, when you think about the iniquities that you and I may have been involved in, it has perverted the nature of who we are. It has perverted the nature of what we're supposed to do in relation to who God is. So instead of bowing down and worshiping God, now we bow down. We've been forced to bow down because our nature has been changed and has been twisted. Iniquity now forces us to bow down. And this is why we find ourselves bowing down to idol gods. Bowing down to vain imaginations, bowing down to fantasies, bowing down to different ideologies, bowing down to your own desires and your own will, bowing down to the things of the flesh. But notice the scriptures say he forgives iniquity. He forgives your perversion, <laughs> your twisted nature. He forgives that and he has the ability uh, to untwist your twisted nature to straighten you back up so that you can actually be holy because he is holy. Oh, thanks be unto God. You ought to let God go ahead and be praised right there. And, and he says, keep in mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and forgiving transgression. Transgression in the Hebrew is simply rebellion. <laughs> Do you know somebody? Can you relate? You're not just the black sheep of the family. Uh, most of y'all tend to be the black sheep in the church, right? Every time we tell you something, no, you want to go a different direction, right? Every time we instruct you, you want to do something differently. And every time we tell you to go a certain way, you want to go in a different way now most you say well as well long as i get it done mm, in the kingdom there is a certain way to get things done see the world tells you or the world will have you believe in that okay well, as long as you got something done as long as you completed a task right but no god looks at what you're doing in order to complete a task right he he pays attention to your thought process while you're actually involved in completing the task he he pays attention to your heart what you feel about while you're actually completing this task so there is a certain way that we as believers are supposed to carry out things and do things the world will deceive you, have you think, well, as long as you got it done. No, although you got it done, was the glory of God revealed? Although you got it done, was his name lifted on high? Although you got it done, did you do it how he said to do it? Did you do it when he said to do it? Did you do it with whom he said to do it with? 
So he says, keep in mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and forgiving transgression, forgiving your rebellion. If if you didn't seek him early while he may be found, call upon him while he was near. Rebellion. Or if you didn't. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. You, you didn't praise God at the inhaling and exhaling. Because think about it. Every time you inhale breath, denoting spirit, denoting God. Every time you inhale, you are inhaling a portion of God. Yet you didn't praise him. Rebellion. He said, this is the day the Lord have made. We shall rejoice and be glad. And if you have not rejoiced and if you're not glad in this day, rebellion. But he tells you he's forgiving of the iniquity and the transgression. Then it says, and sin. Sin, denoting offense. How we offend God. Your sin offends God. Now we see because of the sin of the people of God, idol worship, putting on the ornaments, and God was like, no, Moses, pitched the tent far off from them, denoting put a separation. And the book of Isaiah talks about how your iniquity has caused you to be separated from God. So simply put, sin separates you from God. Because you have offended God, he wants that to be a separation. Because you have missed the mark. What is the mark? He is the mark. Now when you think about just how extravagant this God is. The old folks say he's so high that you can't get over. He's so wide that you can't get around. Even so low that you can't go underneath. Well, if that's the picture of the image that we have of God, it's denoting that this is a big, big God. Denoting this is a big, big target or a big, big mark. How is it that you keep missing the mark, which is God? Sin. Sin causes you to miss the mark, miss the target, that being God and the ways of God. And it causes a separation between you and God. But notice he said, keep in mercy for a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. And what he's saying, listen, the guilty will not get away. Oh, see, I'm not trying to be found right there. Mm -mm. I, I like how the scriptures start off. I like that mercy. And I also like, love that forgiving aspect. But when he said, listen, and that will by no means clear the guilty. Letting you know the guilty will not go unpunished. And he says, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. Things that your father's done. Listen, some of us are going through some things simply because of what your daddy did. Now, and this is my thing. I, what I truly believe, I do believe this word father is proxy just for the parent per se. Because I understand mothers have sinned. Mothers are not innocent. So women have done things. And I really think the father's just proxy for the parent aspect. 
Because there's some things that happen in your mother's bloodline that you that you deal with. And it's getting you in trouble with God. Just like there's some things that happen in your father's bloodline that you're dealing with and it's getting you in trouble with God. It's causing you to be separated from God. This sin is causing a breach between you and God. And it's causing you to offend God, but it's also causing you to miss the mark. That is God and the ways of God being holy as he is holy. If somebody doesn't rise up and break the cycle, become a chain breaker, this thing goes down into the next generation, into the next generation, into the next generation. Can you afford that? Are you okay with watching your children or your grandchildren struggle with something that you struggle with? Because your mama didn't talk about it. Your daddy didn't go to get free from it. Are you okay knowing how that thing almost took you out? How it almost caused you to have a mental breakdown, a nervous breakdown. How you thought about many times throwing in the towel and walking away from God. But thanks be unto God, you're still here. But I wish we'll have some cycle and chain breakers rise up and say, it stops with me. It stops with me. But I'm so glad. That he's keeping mercy for thousands and he's forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin. Oh, I love this. Now, this is where we come to the title of the text in verse number eight. It says, Moses made haste. He made haste. <laughs> uh, meaning he hurried up and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. Now, when you look at this word, he bowed his head or to have your head bowed or a bowed head. It means a readiness or willingness to yield to the desire of God. He got in a hurry. To, to, to be ready. Not just be ready, but to be willing to yield to the desire of God. Now. I don't even think it was difficult for Moses to get to this place. To allow this to become his thought process, to allow this to become what he felt in his heart to do. To allow this to be something that the action that he takes out, you know, that's being led from his spirit, man. And the reason why I don't think this became something difficult for him to do, because God prepared him when he told him. In verse 2, remember we said in verse 2, he says what? And be ready in the morning. So he was already prepared for whatever God was going to do, whatever God was going to say while he was on top of the mountain. Right? So he says, and Moses made haste. He, he, he got in a hurry. And this is the thing. Some of you, no, let me scratch that. Most of you don't find that you need to be in a hurry to worship. The truth be told, you struggle with worship. Oh, somebody go ahead and be real. You struggle with worship. You've been trying to understand what really is worship. I hear them talk about, you know, worship is just telling God who he is. Something interesting that I, I, I recently came across, right? 
When you talk about, in John chapter number 4, round about verse number 24, when it talks about the Father seeking such to worship him in spirit and in truth. He's looking for true worshipers, right? To worship God in spirit, I've, I've recently learned is simply talking about to consider the spiritual realities of God. To consider the spiritual realities and not just the places what? and the outward sacrifices. So, so, so consider the spiritual realities that there is a real God, a holy God uh, that allows us to come into his presence, to know him and to be known by him. Right. And, 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 and it's not just about the place. It's not just about the church. It's not just about the building. It's not just about the temple. And it's most certainly it's not just about the sacrifices, right? When you think about the burnt sacrifices, right, or the peace offerings and the burnt, all these different things, it's not just about those sacrifices per se. Because we understand Jesus became the ultimate or the perfect sacrifice, uh, allowing the veil to be torn that we can now come in before God that we might obtain mercy. So worshiping in spirit is talking about considering the spiritual realities that are in relation or pertaining to this holy God. When you think about the spiritual realities that when he says, okay, be holy for I am holy, right? Living in accordance to the word of God and the will of God and the purpose of God, right? Now we can think about, okay, these thoughts that God has for you to give you an expected end, right? Or, which we so often quote, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love. Notice what it says, that love. It only works out for your good if you love him. See, people run by that, and because it makes them feel good, they just quote that, right? No, but he's clear. It only works together for the good that loves him. And what I found out about God, he's such a detailed God. He measures your love. <laughs> How you say he measures your love in accordance to your obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Your love is measured by your obedience. If if you obey a little bit, then guess what? You love him. Oh, Lord, have mercy. So, so, so why is it that we don't find people making haste to actually worship, getting, getting of, a, of a mindset to hurry or get quick about going into the presence of God or being quick or making a hurry to go seek out God, to call upon his name, to tell him who he is? Or if I'm going to worship him in spirit, consider the spiritual realities, one of the spiritualities he desires for me to be holy as he is holy. He desires for me to love him with all of my mind, my heart, my soul, and my strength. But he also desires that I love my neighbor as I love myself. This is one of those spiritual realities of God. So it's not just about considering the places. Neither is it about these outward sacrifices. Then you talk about worshiping truth. I'm worshiping in accordance to or according to. The whole counsel of God. The whole counsel of God's word. Simply put, if I'm telling God who he is, the easiest thing to do is say what God says about himself. He calls himself, I am that I am. Then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to speak this truth that you spoke about yourself. This is worship. 
You said you are the Holy One of Israel. Then guess what I'm going to say? You are the Holy One of Israel. He says, I am holy. Then guess what I'm going to say? I call you holy. Moses made haste. He got in a hurry to bow his head down, right? To have a readiness or unwillingness to yield. Notice what the definition says. A readiness or unwillingness to yield. And this is one of the issues. This is the cuss word in the church. When you talk about yielding, you can't find too many people that wants to yield. Yield this talking about. I surrender or I submit myself completely to someone else. Not just to someone else, but to someone else and their desires. Oh, Lord have mercy. See, I know you got your own desires about you and about your own life, but we, we know you're not yielded to God because, see, you're still concerned about your desire. But what about the desires of God? And when we say the desires of God, we're talking about the will of God, the purpose of God, the plan of God, the word of God that God has spoken pertaining to your life. What about God's desire? Oh, I wish I had somebody who will make haste to worship. <laughs> and, and, and don't forget, we're not just talking about bowing your head down, which is this is the posture of a head being bowed down, which is also denoting body language. My heart is postured before God as well. See, it's not just good enough to put your literal physical body in a posture that's denoting I bowed my head before you. But we have to ask the question, is your heart postured to God as well? Have you postured your mind before God? Have you bowed your mind down before God? Have you bowed your heart down before God? Has your soul bowed down before God? Has your spirit man bowed down before God? Because see, some of you, you've mastered the body, the activity of the body. But, but, but although your physical body may be in a bowed position, your mind is not yielded at all. You know how I know? Because you don't quite understand the purpose of God, the word of God, the will of God. And because you don't understand it, you have not shut this up. This is still talking. <laughs> this is still coming up with reasons why you shouldn't submit and why you can't submit and why you tell yourself it's okay not to yield. Mm. And because this is still talking, guess what? This has come alive. And now you feel some type of way about the will of God, the plan of God, the purpose of God, and the word of God pertaining to you. So although you may be in a bowed down position, you feel some way about it. I'm bowed down, God, but I really just don't. I really don't want to submit right now. I'm bowed down, God, but you didn't answer my prayer. And I feel so. Some kind of way. I'm bowed down, God, but I'm a little upset with you right now, God. I wish somebody would go ahead and be real. Have you ever been there where you've been upset with God? <laughs> uh, and see, God ain't surprised about you being upset. Yo, you being upset, you being angry with God is not going to cause God to fall off of his throne. He's still going to be God. I appreciate that about God. But this has not bowed down to him. Your will has not bowed down to him. That's why you still do whatever you want to do. When you want to do it and with whom you want to do it with. 
because you haven't made haste to go worship. Worship, not just the posturing of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but your obedience. You haven't got in a place where you hurried or, or, or became quick to obey God. And he has a problem with you being disobedient. Remember, he spoke to that when he talked about the stiff neck, those stubborn, those cruel, those hard individuals. They were stiff necked because they refused to come subject. Stiff neck denoting, because when you think about when you do a little bit more research in this bow down, it's talking about having your neck bent in a posture so that the head bows down. But because you're stiff neck, your neck becomes stubborn. Oh, not allowing you to actually bow your head. Mm, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Oh, and God has a problem with you stiff neck. He has a problem with you rebellious people. He has a problem with these stubborn, these cruel, these hard individuals because it does not allow you to bow down for real. In other words, there were some of you, 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 you bowed your physical body. But you bowed it in iniquity. Because iniquity, we understood iniquity talked about what? It's perversion or something that has become perverted. The true nature of it has been twisted. Or it means to be bowed down. So because of the iniquity that is coming upon you or that is coming up out of you because of you being stiff-necked, meaning you're rebelling against God, you're hard and you're cruel, it causes you to bow down in a perverted manner. Lord have mercy, I wish we had some help right about that. So we understand why you're not getting in a hurry to go worship God. Because you're bowing down in a perverted manner. And you cannot bring that perversion in his presence. Now what we do recognize, you're not a fool. <laughs> That's why you're not quick to worship. Because you understand, I can't take this perversion in this present. But we see you bow down for the job. Oh, and get out of here with your excuse. I need my job. If I don't have my job and I don't make no money, how am I going to pay my bills? Well, I thought you said he was Jaira. Oh, when Chandler was saying, Jaira, you are enough. Oh, you was all in the car. You are enough. What? Is he really Jaira? Or were you just going along with the song? Lord have mercy. I got the Baptist rock on y'all going. Is he really Jaira? Or was it just mere words that you were singing? Because it, it made you feel good. It sounded good to you. See, when he's really Jaira, you can get quick about worshiping Jaira and not bow down in a perverted manner because of my iniquity. But we understand because you bow down to the job, it's iniquity. You got a perverted bow going on. If your husband, if your wife, if your children come before him, this is iniquity. You're bowing down because you now placed another God before him. If you're still going after that bag, oh, it's another God that you bow down to. You have perverted the nature of why you were created. 
And you are causing yourself by way of iniquity to bow down in a perverted manner unto these false gods, these little G's, these, these things that has your attention, these things that has your interest, these things that has your eyes, these things that has your heart. But the scripture says that Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and he worshiped. He worshiped. Denoting he got prostrate, he got low. Denoting that he began to honor God. In other words, to worship God, he was putting worth, he was putting value on God. What is God worth to you? How much do you value God? Because again, God has allowed all of his goodness to pass before Moses. Moses is seeing the glory of God, the manifest, the literal manifested presence of God. And he sees the goodness of God. We even understand this because he sees the back parts of God. Because you say, how was Moses able to write about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy? Well, to see the back part of God denotes history, things that has happened. And because God allowed him to see this back part, Moses was able to pin what he was able to pin. He says in verse 9, and he said, if I now have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. If I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. <laughs> now, now, remember, God said, I'll go with you. I'll show you grace. But Moses was strategic. I have an audience with him. He's giving me his ear. He's either going to say yes or no. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He's either going to say yes or no. But it will not be because I did not ask. God, will you, will you not come with us? Will, will we not be your people? It will not be because he did not ask. See, some of you, it's simply because you never asked. You didn't get what you wanted because you did not ask. And then there were some of you, yeah, you did ask, but James told you asked the mist. He says, oh, Lord, let my Lord, I pray, thee go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our, now notice, he's in good standing, right, standing with God. Now, don't, don't you ever let nobody say Moses was not a risk taker. He's willing to come out of being in right standing with God to say, listen, we are a stiff necked people. We have committed iniquity and sin, but I'm asking you to pardon, forgive our iniquity and our sin. And then he says, and take us for thine inheritance. Receive us. <laughs> right. Like, he, take us as, let us become your possession, God. 
he, 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 he taking a risk. Now, some of y'all, some of y'all are so stubborn. Some of y'all are so stubborn. You would have been like, mm, well, God, I'm, I'm, man, you good. I don't know about them, but man, you good. And that's why you're not a good leader. <laughs> you can't lead nobody but yourself. Because you're unwilling to come outside of yourself to place yourself alongside other people. That was one of the hardest things I had to learn as an armor bearer with an apostle working with other armor bearers. I could do what I was told to do. One of my pet peeves is I hate getting in trouble behind other folks. He said, you're the leader. And if y'all are a team, there's no I in team. It doesn't matter if you did what you were supposed to do, Lincoln. If one of the other armor bearers did not do what they were supposed to do, you're all did not do what you were supposed to do. Oh, I hated that. It would burn me up. But when I grasped the lesson that he was trying to teach me on how to be a leader, you got to come outside of yourself. Be willing and be able to place yourself next to people even when they're not right. Be able to come down in these low places where people are experience understand meet them where they are hear them about what they're going through talk to them about what you've gone through let them know listen what you see now about me it wasn't always like this I was a hot mess and if you catch me on the right day I'll still be a hot mess if you most certainly take the presence of God all you got is a hot mess but Moses says pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance Receive us as your possession. And he said, behold, I make a covenant. Before all thy people, I will do marvels. Oh, I so appreciate God. He said, listen. This is before all the people. Now, including the people. He said, I will do marvels. Such as not been seen done in all the earth. Nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art. Shall see the work of the Lord. For this is it is a terrible thing that I would do with thee. Tell somebody come on God do this verse 10 in my life. <laughs> oh let this verse 10 happen in my life God. Make a covenant with us. Notice he has. But you've got to behold when God gave you his word. As an individual, when God gave you his word as an individual in the midst of a collection or a gathering of people. He made a covenant with you. And he said, I'm going to do marvels. I'm going to do marvelous things. Such as have not been done in all the earth. See, we can't get caught up on what we see happening in the lives of other people. See, why? Because he's not through with me yet. Mm. <laughs> Matter of fact, he seemed to be just getting started. You, you, you understand? Right about at 45, he seemed to be just getting really started with me. Uh, 
it's when Moses was 40, right then, he started dealing with Moses, and then once more, another 40 years, when he's 80, boom, I'm called you to go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Something about that number 40. <laughs> and you got to understand, we're at a good place. Because he's saying, I made a covenant. You just got to behold, see, believe, know. I made covenant with you, and I'm going to do marvelous things that has not been done in the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work. Are you ready to see what God is going to do? Truth be told, some of y'all can't believe that God is going to do it. With little, little old us, little old you. You ain't from no big city. You're not well known. Your name is not in light. But yeah, you, he wants to do something with you. The one who doesn't have a college degree, as well as the one who has a college degree. He wants to do something with you. Marvelous, something marvelous with you. I can keep going on and on and on. But I just want you to understand, you got to see, you got to know, he wants to do something marvelous with you, with us. He said, all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord. For it is a terrible thing that I would do with thee. Terrible noting it is going to be a remarkable thing. A wonderful thing. And we know, without a doubt, God did wonders with those people. So I'm encouraging you. This is why you should make haste to worship. He's a God that still does wonders. Matter of fact, every time you look at you and you still here, oh, what a wonder. You're looking at a wonder. The fact that you can still praise in the midst of what you're going, what a wonder. Because if anybody really truly heard all of your story and you still got to pray, what a wonder. You haven't turned your back on him. What a wonder. Thanks for tuning in and please make sure to visit us at churchoffilla.com for more podcasts and ways to connect with us on social. To like, subscribe, follow, and share content as it comes along. Special thanks to those who give in so many ways to this ministry. We could not do any of this without you. And if you want to give or be a part, visit churchoffilla.com forward slash give for more information. Thanks so much for listening. God bless.